Well, good morning and welcome to Carney E. Free. It is so good to be with you today. Even if it's digitally, I am excited that you're with us at church. My name is Jordan, and I am one of the pastors here at Carney E. Free. If you're a guest joining us online today, I'm so excited that you found the church service. I hope, if you do not have a church family, that you would come and join us in person when we can gather together again in the future. That you would join us. We'd love for you to come check out our church when that day comes. So we are in a series called Dangerous Prayers and Disturbing Times. And what we want to do in this series is we want to focus on how we can continue to be outwardly focused, how we can continue to thrive in the middle of even a pandemic. Because what happens is a lot of times when we enter disturbing or difficult times, we can become inward focused. We can become to just go into survival mode. And we don't want to just survive, we want to thrive in the middle of this. And so we are looking at dangerous prayers that we believe will help us to thrive even in the middle of difficult circumstances. So today's message is about the prayer, God make us one. God, would you make us one? As we begin, I have a question for you. What if you knew you were only going to be able to pray for someone one more time the rest of your life? For whatever reason, this was the last time you were going to be able to pray for this person. What would you pray? Would you pray for long life? Would you pray for health? Would you pray that God would rescue them? If they've already been rescued, that they would grow in their relationship with God. Would you pray for their sports team, possibly to win a championship in their lifetime? What would you pray? Now, it's interesting because as I've thought about this, There's a prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples, his friends. And it's that they would be unified. That there would be unity between them. Which is interesting because on my top ten lists of prayers, I would pray for someone, if this is the last time I was going to get to pray for them, I don't know if unity would have made the list. And so what we want to do today is we want to dig into this prayer of God, make us one. And see, why is it that Jesus prays this prayer for his disciples? And why is it that we want to pray this as a church during this disturbing times that we find ourselves in today? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather right now, even if it's digitally. God, we pray for the families and the individuals scattered across Kearney and central Nebraska, and maybe even the world. God, I pray that they would experience your nearness to them, your presence with them. God, I pray that you would use these words, and you would use the word found in the Bible. God, is powerful. These passages we're going to study, would you use them in our hearts and our lives? God, would you help use them to unite us that we desperately need to be united right now. And God, we ask for your help in this. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. So John's in the New Testament, so it's toward the back of your Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you've landed in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, go to the right, and you will find John. If you landed in Acts or Romans or Corinthians, you're a little bit too far to the right, go to the left, and you will find John. So John 17 is a prayer that Jesus is praying, and he starts by praying for his disciples, and then he's going to expand that out a little bit wider. So we just have time this morning to dig into just one part of this prayer, which starts in verse 20. So would you read this with me from your homes? My prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, 
that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so what I want to do now is I want to go back to verse 20, and we're going to slowly, wake, we're going to slowly make our way through these verses. So verse 20, he says again, my prayer is not for them alone. And them is the disciples. That he's saying, my prayer is not just for the disciples who I have been praying for, but I'm gonna expand it. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Their message being the disciples' message. So he's saying, I've been praying for the disciples, but now I'm expanding it to everybody who's gonna believe and trust in me. And that belief and trust is gonna cause them to surrender their lives to me. I'm praying for them also. So I think this includes us. Like this is incredible because I think Jesus is at this moment right here in the Bible praying for you and for me. Because if we trace our faith back, it's gonna go back to the disciples. Because the disciples told someone who 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 told you. And so the message that we have believed, the message that we have received, it comes from the disciples. And so I believe that Jesus is praying for us in this moment, which is pretty incredible. So what's he, what is it that he prays for us? In verse 21, he says, that all of them may be one Father. So this is where we're getting the idea for our dangerous prayer of God, make us one. It comes from his prayer of, Lord, Father God, would you make all of them, maybe the, <laughs> sorry, let me do that again. All of them may be one. That his prayer is that all of them may be one. That all of them may be one. And so we are adapting this so it's easier for us to pray it in language that we would use for ourselves. And we say, God, make us one. God, would you make us one? And then he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So he says, just as you, God, are in me, and I am in you, may they be in us. Now this is interesting. What does he mean by this? What does he mean by, just as I am in you and you are in me, can they be in us? Well, I want to try and explain this this morning using Legos. So would you pretend with me that this Lego, this is Jordan, this is me, now, would you pretend that this Lego has been infused by the power of the Holy Spirit because I have placed my trust and my faith in Jesus, and so Jesus lives inside of me now by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Galatians 2.20. So Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God— who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, Lego Jordan is dead. I'm sorry. Lego Jordan has died with Christ, and now the life I live, I live through Jesus who lives in me. But it isn't to stop there, because in Colossians 3.3, 3, it says, For you died... 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He says, now your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so I have this box. So we see in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ and Christ lives in me. And then in Colossians 3.3, we see now I'm hidden with Christ in God. So I am hidden in Jesus. In Jesus Christ, I am hidden in him and he is in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it gets better than that because it says in Colossians 3.3 that you are hidden with Christ in God. So I am with Jesus and Jesus is in me, and we are hidden in God. So my hope is this is how you think about yourself. That when you think about you, you don't just think about you, you think about you plus Jesus, if you've trusted and believed in Jesus. So now when I think about myself, I don't just think Jordan, I think Jordan and Jesus. That Jordan and Jesus are trying to obey the scripture. Jordan and Jesus are trying to obey God because I am united with Jesus. And my guess is maybe this is new for you, and this is incredible, and it is incredible, and it is amazing. But maybe this isn't new for you, and you've known for a while that you've been united with Christ. You've been hidden in God with Jesus. And this is how you've thought about yourself. But here's the deal. This is kind of not right. Because there isn't a billion different Jesuses and a billion different gods. I shouldn't think about myself just with me by myself in Jesus or me by myself in God, I should think about everybody else because we have one and the same Jesus that we're united with. We have one God that we are hidden in. And so I have more Legos. And so, my Legos here, I have other people from our church. I have Adam and Andrea Spainer. I have Pastor Adrian I have Ken Sunberg and Gretchen Sunberg and their kids, Ethan and Meredith and Tabitha. I have the Lukes, Pam Luke and Brandon Luke and Annalise Luke and Macy Luke and Sadie Luke. And I can go through every member of our church and every attender in our church who believes and trusts in Jesus. They are in the same Jesus. They're not in a different one. They're in the same one. But it doesn't just stop there. I can go over to First Baptist and everybody over at First Baptist who believes and trusts in Jesus, they are in the same Jesus. I go to New Life. Everybody in New Life who is, believes and trusts in Jesus, they're in the same Jesus. I go to the Table Church. I can go around Kearney to all the different churches that believe and trust in Jesus and preach the gospel. They are here in Jesus. But it isn't just stop there. I can go all over the globe to every single church that believes and trusts in Jesus. And those people inside that church who believe and trust, they're in the same Jesus. They're hidden in the same God. But it isn't just stop there because we go back to Peter, the apostle Peter. He's in the same Jesus. The apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he's in the same Jesus. All throughout time, if they trusted and believed in Jesus... They are in the same Jesus until we get to the very last person who's going to trust and believe in Jesus before Jesus returns. And all of them are one and the same Jesus. So what I want you to see is that we are united in Christ. That you and I, we are one in Christ. 
that I don't have a different Jesus than you have. We have the same Jesus. I don't have a different God than you have. We have the same God. We are one in the same. We are in the same Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the same Heavenly Father. We have the same big brother, Jesus. So we are one in Christ. So that's one of the reasons that we should pray, God, make us one. Because we are one in Jesus. Now here's why this is so important practically. Because when we go after each other on the internet or in person, or we gossip about each other around town, we don't just go after somebody else. We go after churches. We go after people and we go after Jesus. That if you get on Facebook and you wanna punch somebody verbally, because of their secondary issues, whether it's politics or whether it's how they raise their kids or the sports team they cheer for or some other secondary issue that is not a Jesus issue. It can even be a secondary theological issue. When you try to verbally punch them, you punch Jesus. That he gets a black eye along with the rest of us. Because here's what happens. Pretend with me that somebody was arguing on Facebook. And here's what I want you to know. I don't know of anybody that's been arguing on Facebook. I'm not saying this because I saw people arguing on Facebook and I'm like, we need to talk to them about this. That is not what's happened. What's happened is that we are in this divisive time and we are in a time right now where people have more free time because they're stuck at home and they have more stress because they don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring and they're spending more time on social media and that combination of time plus stress plus social media equals a breeding ground for divisiveness a breeding ground where it's so easy to attack one another online and verbally try to punch one another. And so we have to all the more pray, all the more seek unity, all the more say, God, would you make us one? That's why this is such a dangerous and such an important prayer, is God, would you make us one? Because this is a divisive time, and we do not need to be divided by secondary issues. So here's what happens. Is pretend with me that somebody got in an argument over, let's say, a political matter on Facebook. And someone who doesn't know either of the people that's in the argument, they come across it on Facebook. And they go, I don't know Mr. So-and-so. What is he about? And they click on this person in the argument. And they go to their page, and on their profile it says, please join us for, for Easter at Carney E. Free. And they go, oh, I don't think I want to go to Carney Free if this is how pe he treats people on Facebook. Well, I'm going to go back and see what this other person would say, and they must be an atheist. And they click on Miss So-and-So's page and see what their beliefs are or what they're about. And it says on their page, please join us for Easter at Carnegie Free. And they go, why in the world would I ever want to go to that church? Why do I ever want to give up my Sundays to go to this place where people are verbally attacking each other on Facebook? So here's what I want you to know. When you verbally attack somebody else on Facebook, when we divide each other over secondary issues, nobody wins but Satan. That when someone watches that and someone sees that, he gets to go whisper in their ear and say, you don't want to do that with your Sunday morning. Sleep in. You don't want to do that with your Sunday morning. Go eat brunch. Get ready for the football game. It's going to come back. That's what he wants us to do is divide over secondary, non-important issues. But we need to be united around the oneness we have in Christ, that we are one in Christ. We need to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I love them too much to argue with them on Facebook. I love them too much to fight with them on Facebook. Now, I'm not saying we have to agree on everything. We're not gonna agree on everything. 
and that's okay. Unity and diversity together is a beautiful thing. When we can be diverse people with different beliefs that are secondary issues, but we are united around the issue that is Jesus, people take notice and they go, what in the world? What in the world? Why are these people hanging out together? Why are these people spending their Sunday mornings together? Like, usually when people are disagreeing on this subject, they don't spend time together. They find other people that agree with them on that same subject, and they just talk to each other. And here, there's a church where people are disagreeing, and yet they're doing it with charity and with compassion and with brotherly and sisterly love for one another, that they're not talking to each other like they're enemies or like either one, one of them is evil, but instead they're talking to them like brothers and sisters who love one another. What's going on here? When that occurs, the world takes notice, which is what Jesus says. At the end of verse 21, he says, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, so that the world may believe that when we are one in Christ, when we do not attack or vilify each other, but instead we love each other even in disagreement, the world takes notice, and they go, there's something about that Jesus. So let's keep going to verse 22. In verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So what does he mean by glory? He says, there is something that I received that came from the Father that now I am giving to you. What does he mean by this glory? Well, I believe what he's talking about is the joy of joining God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in seeing men, women, and children redeemed and rescued and their lives transformed. So God the Father sends Jesus Christ to come and live a perfect life, to live on earth and become the perfect sacrifice and die in our place for all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and take all of our judgment onto himself. But the great news is he doesn't stay dead. He was resurrected back to life. And now anyone who trusts and believes in him and that trust and belief produces a surrendering of my life that says, my life belongs to you, Jesus. They are rescued and redeemed and transformed. And he says, I am inviting you into that. That my father sent me to begin this undertaking and I'm sending you out as my messengers to the corners of the globe, to the corners of the earth to be my messengers. We see this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus is talking, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, I have authority in your neighborhoods. I have authority in your workplaces. I have authority in your cities. So then he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, of not just people who look like you, not just people who believe the secondary issues that you believe, but of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now how is Jesus with us always to the end of the age? How is he with us everywhere we go? Well, he's with us because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. That Jesus' prayer of God, would you make them one as we are one? God, would you have them in us? It happened. So no matter where you go, Jesus goes with you. No matter where you are, Jesus is with you. 
today in your living room, Jesus is with you. If you move across your street to talk to your neighbor, Jesus is with you. If you call your coworker, Jesus is with you. He will not abandon or forsake you, but instead he is with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are hidden in him. And so what I, want to see, what I want us to see is that we are one in Christ, but we are also one in purpose. We are one in purpose, and that purpose is to make disciples. That purpose is to see lives transformed. That our mission statement at Carney E. Free is we are building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. That our goal, our purpose is to make disciples. Now here's the awesome thing. New Life, they have a different mission statement, but they have the same goal. First Baptist, they have a different mission statement, but they have the same goal. Grace Fellowship, they have a different mission statement, but they have the same goal. That their goal is to make disciples. And all over the globe, there are churches that exist to make disciples, and we are one with them by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are family with them. We are brothers and sisters with them. So we are one so this is not the time to be divisive. This is the time to fight against those temptations and those desires to vilify people that are not like us. This is the time when we are not, we should not go out and try to say things like our church is better than their church. We should not get worried or afraid if we hear that their church is growing. We don't need to say that thing we heard from so-and-so. We can celebrate with them and go, God, thank you that you are growing new life. God, thank you that you're growing First Baptist because we're on the same team. That we don't lose because they grow. The kingdom advances, the kingdom grows, and it's awesome. No, I love Ephraim. And so I hope that God grows Ephraim, but I'm not going to moan or complain if God grows a different church because they are my brother and my sister in Christ over there, and I'm gonna celebrate because the kingdom is advancing. So we are one in purpose. The members of our church are one in purpose. So before we attack someone, whether it's in person or whether it's online, we need to stop and go, I am one in Christ with this brother or sister. I am one in purpose with this brother and sister. And so I'm gonna strive for unity. I'm gonna strive for oneness with them, not division. Even though we, di we disagree, we can disagree. I can think they're completely and utterly wrong, but I'm gonna love them because we both agree about Jesus. And I'm gonna pray for them and hope that God changes their heart. But I'm not gonna attack them on Facebook. And again, I did not see anything on Facebook. I didn't see anything on Twitter, but I'm saying this happens. And what I do not want is for our church to be divided in a time of stress and extra time where this breeding ground occurs for divisiveness. Instead, I want our church to shine in the midst of the darkness that is COVID-19, that is a pandemic. I want people to go, that church and these people, not just Carney Free, but all the churches across Carney are amazing. And God is building his kingdom here. I want there to be a good taste in people's mouth when they talk about Jesus. Not, I don't want anything to do with those people. They bite and attack each other verbally. And I don't want any part of that. John 17, 23. That's where we're gonna finish it here. He says, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
So here's what's awesome. Jesus starts by saying, I want them to be one because people will hopefully, so that they will see that you sent me. But then we get to verse 23 and he says, when they get to complete unity, when they get to complete oneness and people see that they serve the same Jesus, they serve the same God, that they are one family, whether they go to Carney E. Free or one of the other churches in Carney, then people are going to start going, there's something different about this, about this Jesus. And they're going to start to believe and they're going to say, I want to know this Jesus. And so that is what is at stake. Is Jesus' image, his fame in Carney, Nebraska. His image, his fame across the globe. His image and his fame in your workplace. His image and his fame in your families. It matters based on how we treat one another. How we disagree with one another. How we show compassion and mercy towards one another. And so here's what I'd like you to do. This is what I'm asking of you. Is one. If you've been divisive. If you have verbally tried to punch someone online with your words, would you go to wherever you did that and would you publicly apologize? Now the reason I'm asking you to publicly apologize is because you publicly attacked that person. Would you publicly apologize? Because as you do that, people might come across your argument and then get to apology and go, wait, in the, what? What in the world? Uh, people don't publicly apologize on Facebook. So you can say, I'm sorry that I attacked you as a brother or sister in Christ. I'm sorry that I let a secondary issue rise above what was primary in Jesus and become bigger than him, and it should never have become bigger than him. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? So that's the first thing. If you fall into that category, and I don't know if there's anybody that does. Second thing is would you pray with me? On a weekly, if not daily basis, God, make us one. God, I don't want to just survive through this pandemic and lose sections of our church because of divisiveness. Instead, I want us to come out of this a stronger church because we fought daily for one another and we said, I will think the best of each other and I will disagree well with one another. I will not attack or vilify each other, but instead, I will love them as a brother or sister in Christ. God, would you make us one? Three, would you pray for each other? Would you call and pray for your life group members? Would you call and pray for other people in our church? We need each other. We are one. We are in the same Jesus. We need to pray for one another and treat each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. Would you pray for the other churches in town? That if you're out and you drive by New Life, would you pray for New Life? If you drive by Grace Fellowship or some of the churches in town, would you pray for them and say, God, would you bless and grow this church? Because they were brother and sister in Christ, and I want to see your name be made great in those places. And then as you pray, would you lead to action? So Adrian shared in the announcement video, we're still doing Love the One. We haven't stopped that campaign. We are still moving forward with that, even in the middle of this pandemic. And I've experienced what he, was, what he has experienced that my neighbors, they want to talk in a way they've never wanted to talk before. Some of my neighbors can be pretty standoffish, and they're like coming over looking for any opportunity to engage in conversation. Would you use those opportunities? Would you say, hey, how is your family doing? Would you be so bold as to say, how could we pray for you? 
And if they say, if they give you something, would you pray for it right then and there and say, hey, can I pray for you right now? And would you touch their hearts and their lives in that sort of way? Maybe it's a coworker that you call them up and say, hey, I want to know how your family's doing. How are you guys doing? How could I pray for you? That those are little actions that speak volumes to people right now who are starving for personal connection. So would you reach out to them right now? Would you reach out to them? Would you continue to love the one, whether it's a neighbor, a, a coworker, or a family member, or a friend? We need to be unified because we are one in Christ. We are one in purpose. We are one church trying to make disciples together. So we do not need to do the devil any favors and attack and divide one another. Instead, we need to pray for one another. We need to spur, encourage each other on to continue to share the good news of the gospel. Would you please pray with me right now? God, make us one. Father God, God, I thank you that you're building your kingdom. God, I thank you that you have never stopped building your kingdom, that even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of all that we're going through, God, you are building your kingdom. God, I thank you that you have united us. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and good days are coming. Your kingdom is going to continue to grow, that nothing will stand against it. And so, God, we are excited to see what you're going to do. We're excited that you are going to continue to unite us as a family of believers, that you're going to unite us as a city that we are going to be united around one king, that is Jesus. We are going to be united around one God, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, that we have the same spirit as all the other Bible-believing, Jesus-proclaiming churches here in town and across the globe. And with the saints in the past and the saints in the future, we have the same Jesus. We have the same spirit. And so, God, would you make us one? Amen.